when it says build your church, we're talking about us. Build your church. I am his church. You are his church. We are his church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Build your church. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, worship team. What a tremendous time of worship this morning. Wasn't that not exciting? It's exciting because the Spirit of God is here today, the day after Christmas. Hallelujah. The day after Christmas, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And uh, how many of you got good Christmas gifts yesterday? I'm about happy you raised your hands. The other happy, how many gave good Christmas gifts yesterday? Many more hands. That's a funny study, actually. You think you gave good gifts, but then the reality is everyone who said they got a good gift wasn't as many people. We'll have to study that further on. Anyway, so today we're going to be talking about not having a spirit of fear. In fact, no spirit of fear is the declaration today, the title of our message. Do you know why? Because we are rebuking the spirit of fear. Amen? We're going to rebuke the spirit of fear and understand how Jesus plays a role in that in our lives. Hallelujah. We just came off of Christmas Day. Many families gathered around the Christmas tree. They ate great food. How many of you ate great food yesterday? Open presents, right? Traditions are a great thing. We celebrated Christmas and the holidays, but there are many families within the United States, within the world, who celebrated this holiday without invoking the name of Jesus once. Some of that was intentional because some people don't believe in Jesus but have the tradition of celebrating Christmas. But many families within our country celebrate Christmas, believes in Jesus, yet fails to even mention the name of Jesus on the most important holiday of his birth. I think it's an important indicator as a society when it comes to invoking the name of Jesus in situations where we immediately need his name. I don't know about you, but have you ever been driving and it starts to snow and you start to get a little slippery and you say, oh, Jesus, please protect me, right? It's just natural. It's natural to invoke the name of Jesus when something happens. You're like, Jesus, I need your help, right? How many students are in here when you start taking a test? You're like, oh, Jesus, I need your help. It's just a very natural thing for us to cry out to Jesus. Jesus, help me in this situation. Jesus, help me right now. We can cry out to Jesus when we need him, right? But sometimes we forget to cry out to Jesus even when we don't need him. That's the constant faith of Jesus in our own lives. And this reminds me of a passage in Scripture in Acts chapter 19 that I'm going to read to you. And we're going to study for just for a moment. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. And it reads, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven, seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held high and honored. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number of whom had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came out to 5,000 drachmas. And in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Now, 
the most important part of the scripture that really stood out to me was when it said they would say in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva and the Jewish priests were doing this. And one day this evil spirit answers them, Jesus I know, Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit in him jumped the other people, essentially. He jumped him. He's like, who are you? You're saying Jesus. I'm not afraid of you. I'm afraid of Jesus, but you don't have Jesus, so I'm going to jump you. Right? They were using the name of Jesus to invoke his power because they were not adequate enough. They knew that the name of Jesus was adequate enough to release the evil spirit, but they weren't adequate enough. And they did not believe in Jesus or follow Jesus themselves. It's if as the, they were using the benefit of Jesus without the dedication to Jesus. They were using the benefit of Jesus' name without the dedication of Jesus in their own hearts. It's almost like celebrating Christmas without recognizing Jesus as the actual gift. It's almost like crying out to Jesus only when you need him but forgetting about him when you feel like you're in control. It's almost like allowing the culture, the media, the politicians feed fear into our lives and living with that and not trusting that Jesus has a plan. Jesus is adequate enough because he holds all things together in his hands. Jesus has a plan for my life, for your life, for the Hudson Valley, for New York, for the United States, for the world. Jesus has a plan and it's almost like we only call out the Jesus when we're afraid. It's almost like Jesus is only adequate enough when we're not in control. Guess what? You're not in control. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself thinking that you have life under control, everything is controlled, because guess what? You are not in control. And you're one incident away from realizing, I am not in control. But Jesus is in control. A scripture that we're going to study today was actually inspired by one of the posts that Pastor Greg posted last week, and I read it, and it instantly encouraged me and made me want to study it more. And so if you don't follow Pastor Greg, our lead pastor on social media, on Instagram or Twitter or on Facebook, follow him because he comes out with great content on a weekly basis that encourages us. And so the scripture, I read it from one of his, his pages, and it's 2 Timothy 1.7. And it reads, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What is a spirit of fear? 2 Timothy 1.7 is the only time the spirit of fear is listed in scripture. The original Greek word actually means cowardice. The human spirit is one of intellect, of will, of mind, of conscience, and other invisible faculties that makes us a moral free agent, which means we have a free will, and a rational being, which means we have a mind to think for ourselves. Thus, we can see that this verse is referring to the condition of the human spirit. We are not to fear but trust in God in all of the unknown, the uncertain conditions, especially when we deal with spiritual warfare. So the spirit of fear will manifest itself in us when we are cowardice when we're angry, when we're in panic, when we're hoarding, when we're bullying, when we are facing rejection or when we're fleeing. These are, these are the emotions that come out when we are feeling the fear within ourselves. You know, there's a dichotomy, the reality, there's a dichotomy between is it Satan's fault that I sin or have these emotions or is it my own sinful nature? 
the dichotomy of who do I blame it on? Do I blame my fear on Satan or do I blame my fear on my own sinful nature? And the reality is all of us have sinful nature. All of us fall short of the glory of God. That's why we need Jesus. All of us are imperfect beings. I'm sorry to tell you, you are not perfect. Nudge your neighbor. Let them know you're not perfect. And then point your finger at yourself and say, I know I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You're flawed. Some of you are more flawed than others. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. We are all flawed. You have a sinful nature. You were born and created that way. You are born, created, you have a sinful nature, and oftentimes we sin and blame it. Oh, Satan made me do that. That's an excuse. You did that. <laughs> Satan did not make that choice for you. You did that. So the dichotomy between Satan and supernatural forces is causing you to do something in your own sinful nature. Most of the time, it's your own sinful nature that's speaking into you, and you are the one that makes the choice to sin, to fall short of the glory of God. If we aren't careful, we also can surround ourselves and let ourselves be influenced by people, by communities, by politicians, by media, by sources that advocate these negative emotions that bring out the worst in us. If you have a bad attitude all the time, what is feeding into your life? Check yourself. Check who you're surrounding yourself with. Are you, do you have a bad attitude because all of your friends, all of your coworkers, all of the atmosphere that you find yourself, do they have negative attitudes? Do they talk about everything? Do they gossip all the time? Do you watch the news 24-7 and feel negative all the time because all you see on the news are bad things? Do they, do they say breaking news for good things ever? No. There's a constant rolling screen on the bottom of all the news stations breaking news. Bad things are happening in the world. And it's 24-7. Get used to it. Bad things. Breaking news. This bad thing happened. Breaking news. This bad thing is worse than that breaking news bad thing. Breaking news. The world is ending tomorrow. Breaking news. Ah! <laughs> Never, ever ends. Breaking news. You're all doomed without Jesus. That's the truth. You are all doomed. You will all die someday. That's the truth. From dust you came, from dust you will go back. You will die. Breaking news. Everyone's going to die. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> How do we combat this spirit of fear? How do we combat, right, our own sinful nature of untrusting God and our fear? It leads us in the right direction when we read scripture. And so 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Power. I love how the scripture, the first defense against fear is power. Has anyone driven a powerful car before? You turned on the engine and it's like, and you're like, I got the power behind my steering wheel, right? I'm going to get on I-84 on a sunny, dry day, and I'm going to make sure there's no police officers and everything, the things, and I'm going to floor it because I got the power, right? Don't do that. That's just a joke. That's just an example. Don't ever do that. It's just an illustration, all right? Um, 
but the power we have access to through the Holy Spirit. I don't know what life would be without the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. Come on. The Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who has appeared throughout Scripture, being through in whom great works of power have been manifest, is available to us on this day. We saw the, sp- the power of the Holy Spirit, right? All throughout the Old Testament, through the Old Testament prophets, we, we see the power of the Holy Spirit in miracles through Jesus and his apostles. And that same Holy Spirit is available to us this day. There's nowhere in Scripture where it says the, the power of the Holy Spirit is for the biblical characters only, and then after they die off, it's just going to be, you know, kind of with you, your convictions. That's the Holy Spirit, right? We, we all know the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We, we all need all of those, right? I need a little more self-control every day. I feel like sometimes I need more self-control while I'm up here preaching to you. I don't know if you know this, but just because I have notes and things come to my head doesn't mean I speak it out. There's a lot of things that I'm filtering right now that I don't speak out, and that's called self-control, the Holy Spirit, amen? <laughs> it's, it's the reality. Some of you need a little more self-control in the Holy Spirit, too. I'm, I got to be honest. But, um, but the truth in reality is, yes, when we become Christian, when Jesus comes into our life, we believe the Holy Spirit comes within us, but we also believe there's an extra function of the Holy Spirit, the extra courageous function, the boldness, the power of the Holy Spirit that is available to us when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the power I'm talking about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us today. When we say yes to Jesus, we have now made ourselves available for the equipping and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that gives us power. Everyone lift their muscles and go like this. Power. Come on. Power! We have that power available to us. You know, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the believers at Pentecost, it was not a quiet event, but a powerful event. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. God gives you the power, and it's not a quiet event. It's not a subtle thing. It's a life-changing transformation event that gives you the power to overcome your sinful nature, overcome your spirit of fear. So if you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I encourage you, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit because there is power waiting for you. Amen? So how do you fight fear? You start with the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life gives you power. Number two, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of love. Love is all over scripture. God is love. You see in 1 John 4, 18, specifically there says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loves us. The Bible says that God is love and God 
Love is of God, excuse me, in 1 John 4, 7, 8. In other words, the fundamental characteristic of God is love. Loving us, loving my sinful nature, loving my flaws, loving who I am regardless of my past and my mistakes. Everything God does, it's impelled and influenced by his love. And when it says in 1 John, perfect love casts out fear, this whole verse is saying that this is not a fear of God's judgment. We know that God's judgment day is coming. But those who are in Christ, who know the love of God, who have experienced God's love and love him as well, drives away the fear of condemnation. The dismissal of fear of judgment is one of the main focuses and functions of God's love. The person without Christ is under judgment and has plenty of fear. And let me tell you, if I didn't have Jesus in my heart, I would be a lot more afraid of what my future and what my eternity may look like. But once a person is in Christ, the fear of judgment is gone. He is reconciled to God. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It says that in Romans 8, 1. I don't have fear of what's going to happen in the world because I know who holds the world in the palm of his hand. I live life with the knowledge of what the end looks like. I have the perspective of what the end of my life looks like, what the end of this world looks like. I don't need to watch the news to see breaking news about every little thing because I have the perspective and knowledge that God is taking care of all things and my life is taken care of. My eternity is taken care of. I may suffer in my physical life. I may go through physical pain, emotional pain. I might go through tragedy. But my perspective is that at the end of my life, I will spend it in eternity with my creator. The book Seven Habits of an Effective Leader by Stephen Coley is an incredible book that everyone needs to read, every leader needs to read. One of the chapters is he's teaching leaders to begin with the end in mind. So whenever you start anything, whenever you lead anything, you want to begin that with the end in mind. What do you want the end to look like? Right? If you're starting a company, you're not just going to start a company without feeling or thinking about what you want the company to look like at the end. Right? And any business opportunity you have, any partnership you enter into, right, you always enter in with a contract because you know that eventually that might end. So beginning with the end in mind gives us the perspective. When we read Revelations 21 and 22, when we begin as Christians, we know we have the knowledge of what the end looks like. And so Revelations 21 verses 1 through 5, it's titled the new heaven and the new earth. So this helps us with our fear, understanding what the end looks like. Because it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be, be with them as they, their God. Get this. 
with the end in mind, understand this. When we become Christians, we have access to the word of God. We can read Revelations with the end in mind for perspective over all of your fear. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So whenever I'm afraid, whenever I see these scary things happening, whenever I'm afraid of a new variant of this virus coming out, when I'm afraid of all of these things, I know that there is an end in eternity with God, and he makes all things new, and he undoes all the bad things. So all of the pain and suffering that we've experienced in our life, all of the death, the disease, the loss that we've experienced in our lives, all of the crying and the mourning that we have with the end in mind and perspective, all of that is undone, which means we don't need to be afraid, which means we can rebuke the spirit of fear. We can rebuke our sinful nature of fear because God, who holds all things together, has his perfect plan of the end. And we get to spend the end with him. Third and last point in 2 Timothy, it reads, for God has, give, has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. When I was dating Malia, we lived in Florida. We were in college. There was this lake called Lake, Ho- lake Hollingsworth. It was near our college. Lizzie knows where Lake Hollingsworth is. Yep. She went to Southeastern. My Southeastern grad with me over here, Yasko Southeastern University. So we weren't either from Florida. I was from New York. She was from North Carolina. So, um, you know, in Florida, the lakes, there's alligators everywhere, right? They're just everywhere. And so this lake has a nice, beautiful path, concrete path around it. Everyone would walk, run, or bike around this path. So we would see all these people doing that, but the path came awfully close to the lake, which the lake had awfully lot of alligators in, right? So one of our little dates, we went on a walk around Lake Hollingsworth, and uh, so we're walking, so the gentleman that I am, right, I walk closer to the lake, because she's on the outside of me, right? All gentlemen know what I'm talking about, right? If you're on the sidewalk and it's close to the, you always want to be closer to the danger. So if I was closer to the road, I'd walk closer to the road and she'd be on the inside. This time, the danger was on the inside because of the alligators. So I would walk closer to the lake and the alligators. And so the closer and closer we got to the water, the farther and farther Malia would get away from me. You know, at first I took it personally, like, okay, and we were just, we weren't even dating at this point. We were just friends. I was pursuing her. So I took it personally, like, okay, why are you getting far? Do you, do you like, not want me to hold your hand or something? Because, you know, I can't reach you if you're getting farther and farther away from me. And so we were walking along, and I'm like, Malia, why are you so far away? And she's like, because you're getting closer to the waters, and there are alligators there. And so the manly man that I am, I said, I'm not afraid of alligators. <laughs> Come on. In reality, I just know that I watched all the people native to Florida walk around this lake with no problems at all. So I was just trusting that they knew what they were talking about, right? And like, I'm not afraid of alligators. And she immediately replied, well, that's dumb. Not being afraid isn't an excuse for not using wisdom. Boom! (laughs) 
Like, whoa. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just trying to impress this girl, and she drops wisdom bombs on me. Like, like man, I'm out of my league. Well, that's dumb. <laughs> oh, I married a very independent, strong-willed person. Amen? And that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And so it can go both ways. Overconfidence can replace wisdom. Being overly fearful can overcome wisdom. There's a balance of wisdom in our lives. Going back to driving in the snow. When you're driving in the snow and you have the natural emotion of being a little bit afraid, that is a good thing to slow down, right? Fear can be used as wisdom. You're afraid of something, you use that to course adjust to make sure you're safer. But you can overcome or you can be overwhelmed by fear by just stopping in the middle of the road and not going forward. And when you lose all momentum when it's snowing out in the road, you're in big trouble, right? Has anyone driven in the snow before? You don't want to go up a hill while it's snowing out with no momentum or speed because then you're stopped. And then if you stop and it's snowing and slick out, what's going to happen? You're going to go backwards, and that's really bad. And so you let your fear of stopping prevent you from getting to the top and being safe, right? Wisdom is a balance, or fear is a balance that enacts wisdom. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need sound mind, wisdom, and the renewing of our mind to make decisions for ourselves. I am tired of our government, of our media, of politicians feeding into our tendencies of fear. All of us have a tendency of fear. Some of us have tendencies that are higher. Some of us have tendencies that are lower. But all of us have tendencies of fear. And these people prey on our fear to push their narratives. And they are ignoring the freedom of wisdom. Do you understand me today? Instead, we should be using critical thinking and wisdom that is best for our lives because there is no one single solution for every single person, family, or community. This means everyone is afforded to use wisdom on how to best handle your situation by the leading of the Spirit. So please don't misunderstand me. This is not about vaccinations or not vaccinations, masks or no masks, or family get-togethers or not family get-togethers. This is about letting outside influences control your life based on their agenda and not God's agenda. Do you understand me today? God has agenda for your life. The world has a separate agenda because I can tell you right now in our society, they are perfectly fine with Christians losing their rights to get together within the house. They're perfectly fine with Christians being able to celebrate Jesus within their own home, but not living out their faith outside, not living your faith outside your house, not living out your faith outside of the church. And better yet, they're perfectly fine with church being strictly online because guess what? That's what the devil wants. The devil wants us to be isolated from one another, not to be encouraged, not to worship together, not to be empowered by the Holy Spirit together. He wants you isolated, alone, and discouraged. Not on our watch. Yeah. Romans 12, 1 says, do not conform to the pattern 
of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. There's a testing and approving of what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And as followers of Christ, we are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but we are to use wisdom. We are to use the power of the Holy Spirit, love of not being afraid of the end, and knowing that God has a plan for our lives, and walking in faith. Come on. We can walk in faith and be free in the Spirit to make sound judgment for our lives. Amen? Amen. I'm going to invite our worship team up. If you're in here this morning, God has good news for you. Everything's going to be okay. If you haven't been reminded that, Everything's going to be okay. Do you know why? Because we're in church today. Because we're celebrating Jesus. Because we know that we're going to still glorify God regardless of the circumstances in our lives. Because we know we can rebuke fear and still stand firm with courage from the Holy Spirit that God has a plan for each and every one of us. So regardless of your past, regardless of the fear that you have in your life right now, Regardless of all the emotions you're walking through, God is there for you. God is here for you. God is a personal Savior to us. Jesus came for us. And every battle that we are facing, everything that we're going through, we can be equipped to the Holy Spirit to face it. And we're not alone. Amen. You can stand up as we close our service today. No fear. Can you say that out loud? No fear. Fear will not drive my life. I will not sit in my house and be afraid. I will trust in God and trust that God has equipped me with wisdom, with a sound mind. I can trust that God has created me to critically think and to trust that I have a plan for my life. And that plan is not to sit in my house and be afraid. But my plan is to be used by God. Your plan is to be used by God. Whatever whatever you're going through, whatever you're at, God will use you, can use you, and wants to use you. You have more potential than you give yourself credit for. Just like I said, you're imperfect. I made that point. You're not perfect. Well, guess what? You're not perfect. God knows that, and he has more potential for you than you ever believed in yourself. Trust God. He has great things for you. Amen. Let's lift our hands as we pray together. So, Lord, we come before you as we worship you today, Lord. We rebuke the spirit of fear. We rebuke it, Lord, because we know you have a good plan for our lives. Lord, we accept that we are available for the power of the Holy Spirit. So for those who are in here this morning that have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that they would have an opportunity to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is a power unto our life like no other power, Father. So baptize them today, Father. Give them, give them that power, that courage, that boldness, Father. Lord, I pray that all of us would be overwhelmed with the love of Jesus Christ in our hearts, Lord. The love of God. You unconditionally love us, Father. And so I pray that we would have that love for one another, for our family, for our friends, our co-workers, our community, but also the love, Father, that pushes away fear because we at the end of time, at the end of our lives, Lord, that we will meet you face to face and you will say welcome 
my good and faithful servant. So Lord, help us to have a perspective of the unconditional love your Father has for us so that we're not afraid of what our future looks like. And Father, help us to have a sound mind, Lord. Give every single person in this room today, Lord, every single person watching that MC online, wisdom, Father. We need an extra dose of wisdom. If you need an extra dose of wisdom, just raise your hands right now and just say, Lord, I need that wisdom, Father. I need that wisdom. I need an extra dose of wisdom, Father. Give me wisdom. Give me a sound mind. Help me to have a renewing of a mind, Father. Renewing of my mind through your spirit, Father. We need more of you today, Father. So as we worship you, Father, help us to have more of you, Lord. In the name of we pray. Amen and amen. Let's worship for just a moment. Come I'm no longer slave to fear, oh, for I am a child of God. Come on, church, declare and say, I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God.